right, everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. And I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the Voyagin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Late night last night for me. Well, I know what you were doing, but tell everybody else what you were doing. I was I was doing trivia. I love trivia. Yeah, so I've I actually I'm back in the city, mm-hmm. and I have never done trivia really regularly before in my whole time in the city, which is crazy. But I've done it two weeks in a row, and first time we came in second, and I was bummed, and I vowed next week. We're going to win this thing. And guess what happened? You won this thing. We won it. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so was celebrating last night, pretty late into the evening, for an old guy. I'm talking 1.30. I went to bed. Gee, that is late. That's crazy. Yeah. I came back from the bar, watched a little bit of Olympics. Have you ever seen this three-on-three basketball, women's basketball Oh. Uh, Olympic competition. No, I thought it was just basketball. No, they have this three on three, and it is so crazy and fast paced that it, I mean, I'm not a big Olympic guy, but there is some interesting things happening. Watch some men's gymnastics. It's fun to pop in on when you're when you're it's late at night, and you have like one or two drinks in you. And just you can fast forward through all the heartfelt sob stories about the athletes. <laughs> I just want to see them perform. No offense. Yeah, I don't, I feel like some years I get real. I'm really into the Olympics, and then some years I just it just doesn't matter. Like it just passes me by. Like this year for some reason I just am not particularly interested. Mm-hmm. Normally I try to get the horseback riding, the eventing. Um, you, you and the rest of the country are not interested in these Olympics. I know. But, listen, we have a podcast to talk about. We've not had a mini-sode for a little while because of extenuating circumstances, Virgin River podcasting, things Mm -hmm. like that. So we're backlogged on your guys' reviews, some emails that have come in, so we're going to cover those. Yeah, so you guys are amazing at... Uh, we always put out the call for reviews at the end of every episode, us and every other podcast. But you guys always come through, and every week we get some really wonderful reviews. And so, you know, we want to thank you guys for taking the time to do that. It means a lot to us, and also it's sort of like how more people can find us, so it, it really helps us out a lot. And you know, guys, we do this for free. We do this for the praise. You pay us in praise. <laughs> so Absolutely. Well, speaking of praise, we've got a review from Wicked Curls, title of the review, of course, five stars. Love, 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 um, not question mark, exclamation point. <laughs> That'd what be really weird if she was be. like, do I love this this much? Love, love, uh, love, love, love? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Wicked Curls says, I found this podcast through Faded Mates, and I'm nearing the end of my binge listen of past episodes. Not only do Aaron and Clayton make talking about romance enjoyable and insightful, 
their amazing rapport as friends makes the whole experience like an inside joke that they are bringing you in on because they don't want you to feel excluded. Here's to many more seasons. Thank you, Wicked Curls. Yeah, that's that's, so, that's very nice. And, and we true. always love Faded Mates fans who jump over to us because Faded Mates, obviously, great, the gold standard. Mm-hmm. And it's so nice to be associated with those lovely, lovely people. It is always, whatever, <clears throat> whenever they let us uh, on their podcast or uh, share time with us, I'm always shocked by it and so grateful. But yeah, the two of them are amazing and so smart. And so funny and so, like, intimidatingly, like, um, everything that, yeah, it's nice to be associated with them in any way. And I'm happy if you came from them. That's really wonderful, too. Absolutely. And if anybody's listening to this episode and has not listened to Faded Mates, yeah, go, go do it. Because if you like, if you like us, you're gonna, you're gonna love them. (laughs) If you like us, do you want people who are a little bit more knowledgeable? Yeah. Yeah. So then we also got another uh, another review. This one from Kate Moore. And they say, my favorite podcast! Exclamation point. Five stars, of course. Mm-hmm. I've never been really into podcasts, but I love listening to Aaron and Clayton. I do not have a book club because not many of my friends want to read Bridgerton and romance novels the way I do, although I truly believe they're missing out. That is true. This podcast is like listening to two people I'd love to be friends with, and they give such great insight. I love hearing their thoughts on all the same things I read, watch, listen to, and I continue to laugh and appreciate their dialogue. Also, shout out for the Taylor Swift podcast. That was thoroughly enjoyable as a Swifty since 2006. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Kate. And, I mean, we haven't talked about this yet, but the next re-recorded album that Taylor Swift is doing is my all-time favorite album, Red. It's very exciting. It's coming out in October, and I couldn't be more ex- I could not be more excited about this. Mm-hmm. And this in Saturday fact, was one year of uh, folklore. Yes, you. So I found out this 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 weekend that you share a birthday with folklore. I do. Folklore was a great gift to me last year during the pandemic. You know, I had a wonderful birthday because I spent it with you, Clayton, and Pat, and friends and stuff. But um, yeah, but then uh, folklore came out and it was really amazing. So I spent the morning of my birthday just listening to there's a spotify list that is all folklore and ever uh and evermore yeah together and so i just walked around the park just like being really in my feelings <laughs> oh that's two so albums. sweet amazing yeah i mean by the way i mean that party was so much fun it was fun. small intimate dinner you made all the food it was all amazing thank you and it was one of those great just grown-up parties, right? Where we're all just eating and eating and chatting, mm-hmm. and it, it was just really nice. Oh, I had a great time. No, it was great. I was terrified there wasn't going to be enough food, and there was so much food left over, but I would rather be in that position. And, yeah, I think when I moved into this place and, like, all during COVID and stuff, it's, like, it was my dream to be able to, like, have people over and have basically, like, that situation, like, a little dinner party or something. 
So it was so nice that we were able to do that because obviously everyone's vaccinated um, and like careful and stuff. And so it was, it's nice that sort of that's the, the fruit of being so restricted or, or really taking this seriously the whole time is that like, then we were able to have a night like Saturday night where, um, where we could all be together. So it really was special. So thanks. Um, thanks for coming Clayton. And uh, I went out dancing with my friend and Clayton stayed and helped Pat clean up, which also thank you for that. Yes. And then we stayed up till 4 AM watching the Woodstock 99 documentary on HBO max. It was truly a spectacular night. <laughs> well, then I came home and um, the next morning, because I stayed over, ended up staying over at a friend's house. And Pat was like, we stayed up till four. We watched Woodstock 99. And I was like, oh, I want to check it out. So I put it on and then Pat watched the entire thing again. A mere, not even eight hours later. <laughs> oh, it's so, it's so great. Oh, I mean, so we're not scary. doing swoons, but, mm-hmm. but watch that if you have it. If you are at all around our age... It's yeah. a must watch. But it honestly like it builds like a horror film. Mhm. Like the te- like the tension that like it's a very well done documentary, but like how they build on the tension like every day going forward and like you obviously we we remember what happened cuz we were I was in 99 I was like 15 14 15 um and yeah and it, it builds like a horror film and also like so many flashbacks to just like how absolutely disgusting the culture was in the late 90s early 2000s like the further we get from that time and we're able to look back with perspective i'm like my god i was like 14 i was like yeah i was like 13 through like 20 during like the most disgusting era <laughs> possible it's a fun documentary so i'd say watch it Oh, I mean, no, the documentary is amazing. Also, trigger warning for sexual assault. I mean, if you have any memory of Woodstock 99, that's not a surprise. But I think, like, yeah, just as a heads up. But it is like a horror film and really, really good, really, really watchable. And, like, also, what were they thinking with that lineup? (laughs) It's so insane. My first roommate in college... His claim to fame is that he went to Woodstock 99 mm-hmm. and there was an article about how awful it was in Rolling Stone and there was a double page spread of people going nuts in the pit and he's in it. Oh, that's cool. And he showed it to me and he said, I was in the pit. He was like, I was in the pit the whole time and I saw so many titties. That's gross. We did not become friends. <laughs> <laughs> my friend's uh older sister went and i remember specifically because it happened over my birthday weekend july 24th a big day for us all and um i wrote because she left and then she like came back like saturday and we were like what are you doing here like you're supposed to be at woodstock like isn't it and she said that she went like they were there, she said, for, like, an, a few hours, and she was like, it was so scuzzy and gross and creepy. She's like, we just got out of there. She's like, it's not a good scene. Yeah, me and Pat agreed that the latest we could have possibly stayed was till Limp Biscuit on Saturday, and then we would have left. Pat would have been gone so much before that. 
Yeah, because of the bathroom situation. Oh, Pat would have seen the bathrooms and he'd be like, oh, and we're sleeping on the ground. He would be like, mm, 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 mm. Yeah, but he might have really wanted to see Guster. Yeah. One quick thing before we get to the to some emails, because mm-hmm. the other thing I remember about my roommate is that on my birthday, he gave me a present, which is weird, number one, because we were not friends really at all. Mm-hmm. And... It was a gift certificate for The Wall. For The Wall? Do you remember The Wall? Which it was a record store no. that had a lifetime guarantee on your CDs. And it had a little sticker that said, this was bought at The Wall, lifetime guarantee. Of course, The Wall went out of business, so there's no lifetime guarantee anymore. I guess it was the lifetime of the company, which was very short. <laughs> I think it's every lifetime guarantee. But I was, uh, he was really into hard, hard music. And I remember I used that wall gift certificate to buy the Elvis Costello and Burt Bacharach collaboration CD called Painted from Memory, <laughs> which is a great album if nobody's listened to it. It's really awesome. But he was disgusted because <laughs> he asked <laughs> me what I bought. And I was like, oh, this, have you heard of this? And he was, he was just like, no. I don't know who these fucking old people are. That's so funny. Yeah. So, good times. I wonder what he's up to. I doubt he listens. I mean, if he does, hi, come on the podcast, let us know what it's like to live with Clayton. But I think, yeah. He's one of the 3% of men that listen to this podcast. (laughs) Unwillingly. I feel like if there's any men who just, like, subscribe and listen every week that aren't related or married to me, Pat doesn't even listen every week, um, I would be shocked. Yeah, how many how many of that 3% are forced? I don't think it's forced, but I think it's probably the sort of thing, like, right now we're in a car. Some people are doing, right now, probably, like, a run to Lowe's and, prop- and check out what's happening at Home Goods, And then they have to drop something off at their sister-in-law's house. And, you know, they're in the car. It's a couple, a husband and wife. And so the husband is currently listening to us, tuning us in and out. How many husbands hear my voice and are like, I fucking hate that guy? <laughs> <laughs> they don't say it out loud, of course, because they don't want a problem. It's not zero, I'm guessing. So let's get to these emails. We have we had we got a lovely email about our return to me episode. Now that's how backlogged we are. Because the return to me episode came out a, a long time ago, but that was a film that we watched and you didn't. You did not like. I. I liked more than you did. Mm-hmm. And we got a really beautiful email from Jenna. Now I'm not going to read it because it's it's pretty personal. And I, you know, we already replied to her in an email. But the the basics of it is that she was mentioning how Minnie Driver's character grew up with a heart condition and how. Her indulging in simple things was so powerful because Jenna had had a situation in life. There was a correlation to it with a family member. Mm -hmm. And she wrote this beautiful email about how much this movie meant to her and what, 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 how she understands this movie a little bit better because of her, the personal things she's been through. And so she also had a baby during the pandemic Okay. So it's it, there was a lot going on with Jenna, but I just wanted to shout it out because this email really touched me, 
and I loved the insight. That's why I love our fans because, you know, we didn't love this movie and we knew there was people who really loved this movie and instead of attacking us for not loving this movie, they she gave an impassioned sort of, I don't even want to say defense, but just here's, here's how I see this film. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really nice. And so, Jenna, thank you for sharing. I'm glad things are going well. Congratulations on the baby. So I just wanted to shout that out. I think that's lovely. Well, congratulations on the baby as well. You, listen, you really did it. If you, to anyone who gave birth or basically had children during this pandemic, like, you're, you're amazing. And this was the, you did a very hard thing during the hardest time imaginable. So I hope um, that you're patting yourself on the back for that. Cause that's really something to be proud of um, that you sort of pulled through. But I, well, I think that's the thing with art too, is just like it, it, people experience it in different ways and you bring what you bring to any piece of art and sort of your impression of it is always your interaction with it, sort of how it reflects on your life. And so you know, obviously, if people saw Return to Me and really enjoyed it, then that's wonderful. And that's good. And I think that like, for us, whenever we review a book or a movie or a TV show, I mean, we're reviewing our experience as well. And then our what our experience, like what we bring to it and what resonates with us. And so, you know, it's possible things are just not going to resonate with us in a way that they would resonate with you. And that doesn't make the piece of art good or bad or anything it just is sort of like our experience of it mm-hmm. so if this is a movie that she saw and she felt really seen by then i think that's really powerful and that's really special and that's amazing and i'm really happy that she that she has that i didn't have that experience but that doesn't you know doesn't make the thing good or bad i mean you and pat hated practical magic and i think that's like a near perfect movie and so you're <laughs> you guys not liking it also just didn't affect me at all because it's not because uh, how I experience it is different, you know? Absolutely. Well, let's get back to the emo. So we have, we asked for some feedback on Virgin River and especially Who Shot Jack. And spoiler, for the third season, we did not find out who did it. I'm just realizing now we didn't figure out who did it, which is crazy. So many cliffhangers for this season three. Mm-hmm. But we got an email from Carla G. Redacting last name for anonymity. And they said, my own crazy idea is that it was possibly Stacy, Mark's sister, who came across as a bit nutty in season two. Mark's mother is also a bit mental from conversations the character has had. Mm-hmm. So Stacy was furious that Mel didn't give back her grandmother's engagement ring last season. They hadn't even included Mel in the family memorial plans for Mark. Stacy would know that hurting Jack would crush Mel. So it is my off-the-wall prediction. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, it's not ridiculous. Yeah. So I thought that was a crazy, awesome, ridiculous idea of who shot Jack. And, you know, right now they have the gun in Brady's car. Obviously, that was put there. We're not sure if it was Mike. Mike would be very obvious. Mike, the cop buddy. Mm -hmm. 
And Stacy did send that sonogram, that cruel, cruel sonogram to Mel. So if it is Stacy, that'd be nuts. But I like this. See, I like the thinking outside of the box. Yeah, this is good. This could be something, I think. But we'll we'll stay on this, obviously. Yeah. We're fingers crossed for a season four. We mm-hmm. it hasn't been announced yet. I can't see how it wouldn't be announced. It, Virgin River was number one for so long on Netflix, so yeah. we'll see. Uh, we need a we need a season four, and then can we talk about that we spoke with Sue Tenney yet, or is that not coming out? It is. It's going to be coming out absolutely. Okay. Well, there's the other thing too. Yeah. So then. We got a few more emails. We got one from Antara, all the way from Bangalore, India. It's crazy. Which, thank you so much for emailing us. And she said, hello from Bangalore, India. I just had to write you guys and tell you I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I came to know of your podcast during the lockdown last year. I absolutely adore your witty conversations. You guys have made me laugh and delighted me during some tough times. And for that, I wanted to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I especially enjoyed listening to all the Lisa Kleypas book reviews and Bridgerton and Virgin River series reviews. So she gives us a few recommendations. One of which is for a Sherry Thomas book called Private Arrangements. She says, this is my all-time favorite book. I've read, re- reread it multiple times over the years, and it gives me the feels every time. So thank you for the email, of course, and thank you for the recommendation. Now, we've gotten a lot of emails about Sherry Thomas. Yes. So we got another one from Christina W., Hi, I love your podcast. I just recently started making my way through the catalog because I've switched to working graveyard shifts at the local hospital. I'm sure you guys are super busy, and I don't know if you accept suggestions, but I thought I'd try. If not, totally get it. Absolutely no sweat, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Christina, you're so humble. You are working the graveyard shifts at a, a hospital. Right. And you are saying, we are busy. <laughs> <laughs> we are not. We we're are, playing trivia. <laughs> we're not busy. We are not busy. Y- yes. I feel ashamed of what I did last night compared to what you did last night. So thank you so much for everything you do. She also recommended a Sherry Thomas book. This one is her favorite, The Luckiest Lady in London, mm-hmm. which has... A nearly immediate marriage slash lust and then a slow burn actual love story between the hero and heroine and so many misunderstood pinings. Love it. Oh, yes. So this. OK, so we talked about this before the show. Sherry Thomas, the the London series, the second book is Private Arrangements. And the first book is The Luckiest Lady in London. Mm-hmm. So did we also get another email from somebody about Sherry Thomas? We also got it. And we've gotten a lot of like DMs on Instagram and stuff about Sherry Thomas and brought more emails than this. So these are just a few, like uh, just a sampling. 
Um, but also Ruth D emailed us all the way back in February and she said, uh, I found your podcast through your crossover episode with Faded Mates and I've been binging it over the past few weeks. One historical author I don't think you've covered yet is Sherry Thomas. She was my gateway to historicals. She said the first I read was The Luckiest Lady in London, which includes sexy math. That's going to be tough for you and me, Clayton. Math. But yes. hopefully it's explained in a sexy way and we'll follow it. We'll try our best, guys. Well, so that's the thing. So our next book mm-hmm. is going to be Sherry Thomas's The Luckiest Lady in London. Now, Antara, we hopefully, because you've read Sherry Thomas and you liked it a lot, liked, liked her books a lot. So hopefully if we love Luckiest Lady in London, we will get to private arrangements. Right. This could be the start of a series. We're going to see. So it's possible. So... You know, hold tight for that, but we just have gotten too many Sherry Thomas emails to ignore it anymore. Not that we were ignoring it, but we definitely thought this is the, if we're going to do it, this is the week to do it. So that is going to be our book. Right. And I have read her Fitzhugh trilogy, which includes Ravishing the Heiress, which was like one of the best books I've read, period. It was so good. And Fade of Mates did an episode of that. So we're talking a lot about Fade of Mates this episode, but... If you do love Sherry Thomas and you haven't listened to the Fate of Mates episode, rectify that today and listen to them. Um, so I have read Sherry Thomas before. Big fan of the three books I've read. She's amazing. I mean, there are a few historical authors we haven't got to and we need, like, we need to do an Elizabeth Hoyt. We need to do a, a Jennifer Ashley. Um, we need to do... I don't know. There's a lot out there. So, yeah. So I'm really happy that we're hanging out with a new author next week. Um, should we do the flap? Yeah. Do you do you have it pulled up? I do. Yeah. Do you want to flap it? Let's do. All right. Felix Rivendell, the Marquess of Wentworth, is the ideal gentleman, a man all men want to be and all women want to possess. Even Felix himself almost believes this golden image, but underneath is a damaged soul soothed only by public adulation. Louisa Cantwell needs to marry well <laughs> to support her sisters. She does not, however, want Lord Renworth, though he seems inexplicably interested in her. She mistrusts his outward perfection and the praise he garners everywhere he goes. Still, when he's the only man to propose at the end of the London season, she reluctantly accepts. Louisa does not understand her husband's mysterious purposes, but she cannot deny the pleasure her body takes in his touch, nor can she deny the pull of this magnetic man exerts upon her. But does she dare to fall in love with a man so full of dark secrets, any one of which could devastate her if she were to get any closer? Nice. So it's just some good old-fashioned historical pining mm-hmm. and damaged souls. It's gonna be. It's gonna be good. I'm excited. Do you have anything else, Clayton? No. Where can they find us, Aaron? So you can always find us at, uh, email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at Learning Tropes and on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook troop where you can come chat about the episodes. Um, we also have merch that is linked below. And of course, as always, rate, review, and follow. It's how people find us. You guys are wonderful at it. Um, and just to recap, next week we are reading Sherry Thomas's The Luckiest Lady in London, number one in the London Trilogy series. Um, so we are so excited to come back and chat with you guys about that Um, and in the meantime happy reading happy reading